I sat down with a coworker. Her name is Martha. She is our news director here where I work at KTAR. And we got into, of course, some running stuff. Martha is a long-distance runner herself. She's run marathons, so we talk about that. We talk a little bit about failure, and we just work through a little bit of her career and her journey to get where the heck she is today. It's all coming up out of the hat. All right. So a week or so ago, I was talking with our news director here at work, and I, I made some offhanded comment about how I hadn't recorded my podcast in a while. And she gave me this sideways glance, and she's like, you have a podcast? And I said, yeah, I'm not very good at promoting it, but I do this podcast you know, every week or so, and sometimes I record a couple episodes. I've done 50-plus of them. She said, oh, my goodness, I'll have to check it out. So I said, even better than check it out, I'm going to drag you on the podcast. So here is said news director, Martha Maurer. Martha, what's going on? Hi, Joe. I am thankful that you invited me. I'm very excited to do this. Oh, sure. oh, Martha, don't be thankful. We're just going to have a fun chat here. You know, I, I am impressed. Usually people ask me, like, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? And, like... I gave you a little bit of a preview, but you haven't, like, probed and asked me, like, 56 questions. Like, I'm glad you're just rolling with me on this. It makes me feel oh, good that you trust me. I'm ready to roll. So you ask away. I may deflect if you deflect. ask me questions, but I'm ready. No. I'm ready to go. So, I mean, the first thing, too, is, is with my podcast, I always like to be interviewed, too. So it's not okay. even interviewed. It's just like we're having a chat. So yeah. anything you want to bring up or anywhere we go, feel free to just throw it out there. Don't feel like, yes, you know, my name's on the silly thing. But what I like the most is when I mask things or when I have to think about things that I don't usually think about. But the best jumping off point, I thought, for us is something that I don't think I've ever asked you. And I ask everybody who I ever interview, whether it be an intern or somebody who I'm hiring to work with us, I always ask them, tell me something about you that's not on your resume. And I'll tweak that just slightly, Martha, because you and I have known each other for about 10 or so years now. Tell yeah. me something I don't know about you. Oh, my gosh. that I, I don't know, Joe. That's a very difficult question. And I've sat down with you when we do intern fairs for yeah. uh, folks coming into our newsroom, and you do ask that question. I always find it very interesting because it makes people really think about what they want to say. But you do know me and we've known each other for so long and we share a lot of interests, you know, like running and reading. And you know how I'm crafty and how I like to work out. So I'm really trying to dig deep here. Well, and we do talk about, you know, we'll, we'll get into all, all those things, you know, the running, okay. the reading, the craftiness, because if if. For, for as crafty as you are, I mean, you have a shop that you really promote the snot out of on Instagram of and other places. It's called With yes. Love by Martha. I'm Correct. cool if everybody goes there and checks out your stuff. You're you're really <laughs> pumping up the earrings and the mugs lately. Yes, correct. They look beautiful. I, I see Thank the stuff. Um, I've bought Thank some you. stuff from you. You've made some shirts for me. You've made some masks for my parents. 
But as crafty as you are, I'm like the opposite of crafty. Like I was that kid in grade school, like during art class, the teacher would sit there and just be like, yeah, no, this this kid, like, is, is he special needs? He's not going to pass this class. No, like, I'm sure that was not the case. I Joe. was not a crafty individual. They'd give us the popsicle sticks and tell us to make this or that. And man, mine, no, it just <laughs> would not fly. But can I just tell you the favorite thing that I learned about you? What's that? So... Man, I feel like this was years ago, but it came up again in like the last year or so. Like, and and I know you, this is one of those things you're probably going to deflect, but it's a hundred percent true. We talked about it the other oh. day, even when you shared that you sang karaoke, and not just you know, like when I think Martha, I think like okay, yeah. you know, what do you do? Like some Sunny and Cher song or something, a duet with no. somebody, or like a Taylor Swift song, like something country. I you're like, no, I sang Stan by Eminem. Eminem, yeah. So, yeah, I was actually thinking, should I tell Joe or not tell Joe and everybody who's listening that I love to karaoke? Now, let me just say I am terrible at singing. I Definitely not good. I think that my husband is just the biggest angel in the world for not telling me how bad I sound when I sing out loud to everything. But about 10 years ago, I was living in Mexico and I was working there. I was a freelancer at a TV and radio station. And I was also working in public relations at a resort. And we had a crew of people that would just go out after work on the weekends or Friday evenings. And we would love to go do karaoke. Well, I was living in Mexico, but of course I spoke English. And that was the reason why I was working at that resort. And I grew up listening to Eminem. I mean, I don't know if I should be ashamed to say that or embarrassed, but I love Eminem. His songs are just, I mean, they're, they're, they're bad. They have a lot of bad words and whatnot. But what I love about Eminem is that he tells a story. And mm-hmm. ironically, we tell stories every single day in our newsroom. And so I just found so much talent in his lyrics and his writing and so i i loved it and it was a challenge for me can you imagine me rapping i mean i i don't think i can do it again i don't think i should because i'll probably post it and blast it all over social media this video lives privately in my facebook page for only my friends and my and my family to see i can't but, wait yeah. till the holiday party we're totally gonna no. get you to do some more <laughs> eminem Well, but yeah, that is something that most people don't know about me, that I do love to karaoke. I love to karaoke to Shakira also. She's my favorite uh, Latin singer. And so that that's my 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 secret. It's now out in the podcast sphere. So you, you say you love Eminem and I think he's super talented. He's from Detroit near where I grew up. And you're right. He does tell really powerful stories, but Stan is a really angry song. Like, yeah. Do you do you do other Eminem songs or like what was the reason you picked Stan? Because you said you're a bad singer, too. I I don't think you're particularly bad, but that song, the good news about it is it has a lot of just spoken word stuff, too. You don't really need yeah. to sing the whole time. Exactly. I think that was most mostly it. The entire song, and of course it's got, you know, the chorus, but the entire yep. song, it's just, it's telling a story. I don't know why. I mean, I must have been, now I'm, I'm divulging my age here, but I was early 20s nah. when I, I did that. And so to me, it 
I, I don't know if it was just the time in my life where I was just getting out of college and and who knows what it was. I just remember really liking it. And it was a challenge for me to learn all the lyrics because, yeah, in karaoke, you read the lyrics, but I knew it. Like I knew it by heart. I was so proud of knowing how to rap this song. Mm-hmm. And and so it, I think I just took it as a challenge and I liked it. And I like a lot of his songs and they're actually particularly great at working out uh, to the songs. So even today when I'm at the gym and I hear one of his songs come on the playlist, oh, I'm pumped. It, it really gets me going. But yes, I know the message is is iffy and, and not something to be very <laughs> proud of per se, but but hey, if it gets you going and it gives you some energy and makes people laugh, uh, sure. Well, perhaps I should not admit to this, but when I run a lot of times, I listen to uh, a lot of rap music myself. And one of the bands that I listen to that gets me the most fired up is NWA. Okay. And uh, just even what their name stands for is very inappropriate. So Right. Inappropriate is the, is the right word. And and. That's why a lot of people listen to heavy metal or oh, yeah. really angry music when they work out because it gets them going. I like to get angry when I run. Like, not like angry at the world, but when I run, I always think back. There's a one specific memory that, like, in eighth grade, when I got my stomach illness, I just felt like people looked at me. And I mean, granted, they're eighth graders, you know, they're what, like 12 years old? Like, they don't, you know, they, they're kids. You know, we were all kids when I got sick, and I just felt like when I told people that I had a stomach disease, like they all looked at me, and of course their first question was like, oh my goodness, could I get that? And and it was tough, but like I look back at that moment, and I, I don't get angry at those kids even, and I certainly don't get angry at, at God or the world or my parents, but I just get angry at that time, and it propels me to run harder and run faster. And I think about stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, I also, like, when I run, I also think about, like, my parents who are both still alive, thank goodness. And I think about, like, deceased relatives from my family, too. And I find time yeah. to, like, pray for them, think about them. So running can be very cathartic for me in a good way. And it also gives me a, a chance to, like, harness negative energy in my life, too. Like, when you run, like, what goes through your head? Actually, I was just going to say that it's so interesting that you find that running to you is a little bit, it sounds like therapy to think oh, yeah. of people and things. Running to me is actually the only time when I do not think. And it sounds odd, I know, but... You got to turn your brain off some point. So, yeah, I mean, so let's talk about that. I'm I'm the news director here at KTAR News, and so constantly my day is filled with news by default. And, of course, working with our amazing staff, and my number one job is to to work with our very talented reporters and editors and everybody on our news team. And it involves just being on top of the news. Then I leave here, and I'm constantly listening to the news on my drive, commute to work, or, or I get the app notifications of breaking news. And so it's almost impossible to really shut it off. And even when you get home, you yeah, and I you both are essentially on call. Like, we could yeah, always we get are. a call. I mean, you more than me, you get the call <laughs> oftentimes. You get up early. You get up, like, what, four in the morning? Four, four, four thirty to make it to the five o'clock boot camp. But there is a time, and especially when working out, even when I'm at boot camp or when I'm running, that I don't think it's like, it's amazing. It's like my brain just shuts off all the to-do list items. It, it kind of 
filters out the, okay, today at work, I have to do this and this is coming up and we're going to have a speech by, by this person in a press conference. And so when I run, the the beats and I listen to lyrics. I'm huge into lyrics. It's it's funny because my husband and I will be either driving in the car listening to a song or sitting in the kitchen with Alexa going and and playing a song for us. And I just I just say, oh my gosh, that was such an amazing song. I I, I loved the 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 story that it told. And he says, my husband's like, well, what, what story was that? Like he he doesn't listen the way that I listen. So running for me is that time where if the music is right. I can go longer, I can go faster, I can go farther. And at the same time, I really enjoy it because my brain is rested and all I'm doing is, is just listening to music. And I've also listened to audiobooks while I run. That is the other, uh, other option that I have. It takes me to another world. Usually it's fiction. I love fiction. I love novels and mysteries. And it, it gets me to another place and away from the reality of the news. If I run... And I can listen to podcasts, but I found this past year that if I listen to a podcast when I go out and run, I run almost a minute a mile slower than if I listen to the music that I like the most. Like when I listen to the music that gets me the most fired up, I just run faster for whatever reason. When I listen to a podcast... I I don't know why, but I found that I just ran slower. Like I'm subconsciously soaking up what they're talking about and digesting it. And I don't know, something about when you just hear that music, you just go. It's true. And there are a lot of apps now that will set the music rhythm yep. and the selection to your pace. And that's that's really cool, especially if you're training for something. And let me just say, if People should already know this, especially your listeners, but I have to just continue to give you the biggest of shout outs for running a sub four yeah. marathon. Yeah. And I remember more than a year ago when you began training for it and you, you know, you, you came to me and you were telling me how you didn't think you were going to be able to run it in under four. And I said, Joe, if I can do it, you can do it. And I haven't been running. And so you did it and you beat it. You beat my time. And now you're going to have another record to look forward to. And that's amazing. Well, to be fair, you were part of my motivation, too, because I think you told me at the time you thought I could do a 415 or 420 roughly. Because I told you that since that was my first time when I run a marathon, I ran it in that time. The second time, I shaved off about 15 minutes and did it right under under four, and I said, you can do it too. And you did, and not only that, but in the process, you lost almost 100 pounds, so that's kind of like, wow. Yeah, no, but... I definitely thought to myself, like, you know, Martha thinks like 4.15 for me. I'm going to go under four. Like, that was not the goal until about a month before I ran. And, you know, the goal got refined. I told you, I don't think I can get under five. Like, when I was first running, I was 260 pounds. Mm -hmm. And when I finished running, I remember, like, the day I did the marathon, at the end of that, I clocked in at 169. So wow. so that was like 94 pounds or so. And I could have been bigger than 263. That's just the last time I stepped on a scale, what I remembered the number said. Um, and I, I know now I'm around 175-ish. It fluctuates any given day. Yeah. No, I, I worked hard at it. No doubt about it. And That's I have a, a lot of people to thank for it. And a lot of credit goes to, you know, our friends, many of whom work here at the radio station with us, um, 
uh, and you were certainly a big influence as well. Like, what got you into running? Because for me, it's funny. I didn't run on the track team in high school. I didn't even think about running in college at ASU. I just remember a couple years after college, I was like, I'm going to do a marathon because I can't swim. So a triathlon's kind of out. So I trained and I did one and it took me almost six hours. And then it took me five more years to finish the second one and a global pandemic. And then I shaved almost two hours off it. But what got you into running? Well, like you, I was also not in track. In fact, I was not in any sports. I actually do not enjoy sports, and I barely even watch sports. I only go to, say, football games or basketball games, too, and that, those are the only times that I actually enjoy them. So I'm not a very sporty person. But when I went to ASU in Tempe, I was very much aware of the freshman 15. The 15 pounds that most freshmen will weigh by living at the dorms will gain – by living at the dorms and, and eating, you know, not so healthy. So I joined the gym at that time. It was called the, the SRC yeah. Sun, Sun Devil Recreational Center or something like that. I think that. it's and Recreational Complex or Rec Center. Yeah, yep, one or like the that. other. So, I mean, we're talking about the year 2004, okay, is when I went to ASU. And while I was there, I started taking fitness classes and, and, then I would use the treadmill and I just all I wanted was to maintain. Well, I actually ended up loving the classes so much that I became a certified instructor mm -hmm. there. And I would teach, I would teach water aerobics in the middle of the day. And then I'd learn how to teach kickboxing and, and different things. But at the same time, I would still go out on the floor and run on the treadmill and do the bike and so forth. And as the years went by, I spent three years at ASU and graduated a year early because I had a lot of credits from high school, so I didn't really need to stay there. But while I was there at ASU, I would teach at different gyms, not only at the at the university, but then back in the day, there was a pure fitness and also 24-hour fitness. Those are gyms that are no longer around. But I used to teach classes, and I was a personal trainer. And so just by default, I was around people that were very active, and it became part of my lifestyle to be more active and to be more healthy. And as I became a personal trainer and began helping people with their goals, I set out new goals for myself too. So I remember the first race that I ran was a 10 K it was a Phoenix 10 K it was one fall. And I was very pleasantly surprised that I was able to do it in 45 minutes. So if you have ever done a race, I know you have, but if anyone listening has ever signed up for a race, and it's the first time that you run, when you get closer to the finish line, this rush of adrenaline just comes through you and it takes over your body. You find every single inch of energy that you can find and you just take off and you go. And it's that adrenaline feeling, that rush that you get, especially as you get towards the end and it gets you going no matter how tired or hurt you may feel. It's you want it. You want that again. You may be glad that it's over, but then you want to experience it once again. So I was hooked. 10K. It was the first one. I signed up for a few others, and then I ended up doing a half a marathon, which is 13 miles. The 10K is just over six. The half marathon is 13 miles. The full marathon is 26.2. And so I just kind of kept thinking, okay, what's the next one? What's the next one? And I think I ended up doing two half marathons before I did my first full marathon. By that age, I was already like 20, 22, 23. So after college is when I ran my first 
my first marathon. And it just was amazing. I remember hating myself while I was training and running <laughs> on a Saturday for four hours, you know, tra- training or running 20 miles and thinking, why am I running 20 miles? I'm about to run 26 in two weeks and the hours that it takes to train. But then when you get there and all the people are there cheering you on and my husband and my family, they would stake out at different mile markers and feed me oranges and peanut butter sandwiches and and water and so forth. It's just an amazing feeling. And I did that twice. I've ran two marathons. I've ran four half marathons and a few 10 Ks. And nowadays, a lot more 5 Ks. <laughs> I don't really, I haven't really trained for a big race in a few years, but that's what got, kind of got me started. And I hope to do it again. I, I, I told you I want to train for another, another uh, marathon, but I've had to deal with some, you know, plantar fasciitis at some point, now some back issues. And it's, it's a, it's a work in progress. But you've got a number of years on me. You're substantially younger and I did you're plenty younger. I did (laughs) three fifty four forty seven with nobody cheering me on. And, you know, I essentially ran like nine mile loops and then I'd stop real quick at my house, go inside, get water and go again. And if that's the thing you ran on your own, which I mean, my respects, but also you're crazy because you didn't have that, that, that adrenaline, I think, uh-uh. of having hundreds of people cheering you on. Nope. So that's amazing. I mean, that, I, I personally, Joe, could not have done that. I took one friend with me from our web department who did about eight or nine miles. And then another person who you know who doesn't work with us anymore did an, the, like the last stretch with me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was it. And and that was the whole thing. But if I can do it in under four hours, you can do one under three fifty four forty seven. And then I think right. I think Martha, I'm saying it right now. Our goal after that, you and me together, we're going to do an ultra. Uh, I was about to say challenge accepted until you said ultra. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. We'll have to talk about that. Come on. We're going to do at least 50. We could do 100 uh, miles in a day together. Think about no. how much. Uh, what do you mean? Uh. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. But to, here's my attitude. Hmm. When, when I was in high school and college, I knew I could do a marathon. And what I always tell people is if you can run for 30 minutes... And you don't even have to run. If you can walk for 30 minutes, you can do a marathon. So if you and I have done a full 26.2, we could do 100. I know we could do it. That's true. And think about how amazing that would be. Like, part of what got me... I would have to take, like, a whole week off after that. No, that's fine. I won't be able to walk. Well, you know, they owe us some time off. We work really hard. That is true. Part of what you know, motivated me to get under four hours is I looked up this stat and like uh, leading up to it, like a week or two before I did it, it said that runners universally consider if you go under four hours, that's considered elite. That's something that people who do marathons, only the top 25% only go under four hours. And that's coming from the kid who was overweight his whole life, who never ran track, who could barely, you know, run up and down a basketball court, who played golf and baseball. Like, I was not this runner. And now for me to go do a marathon, probably faster than anyone in my high school class, and there were kids who did run track. I don't even know if they've run marathons. But, you know, I went out, I did it, 
And since I still can't swim, still can't do the triathlon, <laughs> maybe if I get floaties, I could do it. Maybe but, we can just teach you how to swim, and that way we get a break from our legs and really work our arms and do an Ironman or something instead of an ultra marathon. You want to do that? Uh, maybe. I'm thinking the water at Tempe Town Lake is going to be freezing. Oh, my gosh. Joe, let's not commit to anything on this podcast. Just We can I'm, talk about it off the air. I mean, worse than <laughs> freezing, the water is disgusting there, too. Uh, and yeah. you have to swim for, isn't it like 2.4 miles? Don't know, it's not a it's, brief. It's, it's like 2.4 miles. Then you have to get on the bike for like over 100 miles. And then you got to do a full marathon. Okay. Maybe we'll just stick to running. <laughs> See? 100 miles seems much easier to me. So Ooh. you did uh, the personal trainer thing. What got you from, you know, personal trainer to what got you into the news business? Because you've done TV and you've done radio, like how did you make that leap from, okay, I'm really into health and fitness in college, and I know at least part of what you went to ASU for had nothing to do with broadcasting. So how do you make that jump oh. into, you know, news? I did like news while I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And so my birthday, let's go back to my birthday. My birthday is on 9-11. And on that fateful day, I was a sophomore in high school. And all we did that day was watch the news, right? This is an attack in New York City, terrorist attack. And all that we could do is just watch the nonstop 24-7 coverage of the news. And I just remember seeing the, the newscasters describe what was happening. And, and so I was drawn to that industry from that moment forward. But I was also very good at math. I thought that, oh, you know what? I'm taking AP classes and calculus and physics and I'm doing okay. Maybe if I use that in college, I can really go to, for a career that pays a ton of money and it's really successful, some STEM field. So throughout high school, I did a couple summer camps in math and sciences and I liked it. And then when I got to ASU, I actually started with some aerospace engineering classes. And part of it is you take more math and you take more physics and more hard, more difficult courses. But then I realized that I was not good at those level, uh, high level math and physics and whatnot. So after pretty much almost failing a few classes that first semester, I quickly determined that that was not my route, that I was not meant to be an aerospace engineer or any engineering for that matter. Maybe if I really applied myself, I could try, but I just wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't liking it and I didn't like to fail. But I also always had in the back of my mind, this idea that, well, I really like news. And in fact, while I was in high school, I gave the, the video morning news announcements. And I even ventured a little bit into video editing by going with the football team at a time, we would travel to games and I would put together highlight reels. So I had that as, as sort of in my pocket of something that I did enjoy doing. And I looked into, well, what, what could I do with it at ASU? And it just happens to have one of the best journalism schools in the country, the Walter Cronkite School. Mm -hmm. And so I pivoted to journalism and I was able to get in and, and I loved it. I realized that that is what I wanted to do anything news. Of course, I thought I was destined to do television news forever. And part of the program was to have an internship. And I did. I, I grabbed an internship at Univision in Phoenix, which is a Spanish-speaking 
one of the main Spanish-speaking TV stations here in the Valley. And I interned there for a semester. And then after that, I stayed on as part-time in the production department, moving the cameras in the studios, doing the technical side. And then I moved on to the newsroom and, and did more of the editor stuff until one day the news director comes to me and says, hey, we need somebody to fill in for the Saturday morning like Saturday morning at 6 a.m. community show. This is the show about the pet adoptions and the, the business fairs and the health fairs for the community. But I said, yes, of course, of course I will do it. It's 6 a.m. on a, 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 a channel that probably my family watches every single day, no matter what time it is, it's Univision. So I, I stayed on there for a little while longer until I decided it was time to go back to school and pursue my master's. But I thought I was going to continue there. And I, I loved it. I, I felt like I was good at it. I ended up doing a little bit more there, not just that Saturday morning. I pivoted more into hard news, filled in while I could and, and did some reporting and some anchoring until it was time to go. But I, I really loved it. And so after that, I went back to school to pursue a criminology master's degree. And um, I didn't get to finish that. But I, I did move to Mexico, did some freelancing there as an education reporter and a politics reporter. And I continued to love it. I also continued to do kickboxing and teaching spinning and being a personal trainer. So fitness has always sort of been on, on the side thing for me. It, it really is fulfilling. And I love helping people reach their goals. And then fast forward a few years later, which is about nine years ago now, I came back to the United States and couldn't find a job in television anymore. I was sort of outdated, you know, in the industry, if you will. But I happened to come across one of our talk show hosts here, and it sort of opened the door to the radio world, which I never thought I would do. It's been nine years. I'm still here. I've done pretty much every single position in the newsroom. And now I'm the news director, and I think this is so far my favorite. Really? Yeah. Being news director is your favorite, or radio is your favorite out of all the jobs you've had so far? Well, I would say both. Really? Being yes. news director is your favorite job here? Because I would definitely say it is the most responsibility. It is. And I would say that every job I've had was my favorite up until that point. Wow. So I started as the, the news editor, and then I was the breaking news editor, mm -hmm. and then I was the assistant news director, and then I became news director. So out of the four positions that I've had in the last nine years, I've loved every single one. And okay. at, that, at the time that I held each, each role, I say it's my favorite because I, I really enjoyed it. I think I got the most I could out of it, and that's why it was my favorite at the time. In some ways, I think what I do now as executive producer here is my favorite, in other ways, like, I don't know, I find something that I love about all of them. Like, and I've been, yeah. I've been a host, I've been an executive producer where I'm working with our talk show talent and I'm helping to develop the producers and hopefully one day I can get all three of them to be executive producer here at KTAR. Uh, I want to back up real quick because you said you were talking about your time at ASU and you, you used the word you failed. And I'm not sure if you saw this, but somebody who you and I both know threw up on Instagram something the other day that really hit me that I thought was really powerful. They posted the word fail and they turned it into an acronym and they turned it and all they said was first attempt in learning. And I love that. 
Like yeah. that really resonated with me. So, you know, too often, I, I think, especially kids who are at ASU now, oh my goodness, is a lot of responsibility placed on them to graduate from ASU and to make the Cronkite school look good. And I, I hope that they understand, and I, I, I know that you would come to look at it this way now, like failure can be a very good thing. Like yeah. just because you, you know, don't do well at something, especially if it's the first time you've really tried it, like failure doesn't mean, you know, you should never do that or, oh, my goodness, you suck at this. It's it really is that that first attempt in learning and just, you know, trying to hone your skills. And, you know, you also said, too, that, you know, you, you kind of decided it really wasn't for you. You didn't enjoy it. That yeah. I totally understand. Like if you don't enjoy something. You know, I, I feel for all the people out there who have what I always call like bean counter jobs, where they show up to work and they do the same thing every single day. And what I love about radio is no two days are the same. Our newsroom right. is so vibrant. All the people we work with have amazing like personalities and all the stories we get to cover are so different. And even if we're covering a global pandemic for, you know, 15 months or, you know, uh, election audit that, you know, should have been done back in November. Like, the stories always take on new life and we find new angles. And that's what I love about our business is no two days are alike. And I don't feel like I come in and just stare at a spreadsheet and then go home. I absolutely agree with you. And I also agree with with failing as the acronym of the first attempt at learning. I think that that it is very true. And, you know, in my case, I did feel like I failed because I I had a goal and I'm very goal oriented. I'm the p- kind of person that has a to-do list and I like to cross those things off. Well, that's true in everything that I've ever done. It's reaching a goal. And so when I couldn't pass that class, you know, I felt like I failed. And in a way I, I did, but what it was, it was, it, it opened my eyes to you know, or at least it led me to the right direction where I really needed to be. So I needed to fail in order to succeed. And so I, I do think about it that way. At the same time, I found something that I truly loved. And, and that's something that I tell everyone. If you don't enjoy what you do every single day of your life, you are wasting your days away. And I know that there are a lot of factors that contribute to where you work and, and what you do. You need to make a living and, and things don't always feel good. But at the same time, there is, I want everybody to know that when you do enjoy what you're doing, it goes beyond just your, your nine to five or your daily shift at your work. It really fulfills you right here in my office. I have at work, I have a, um, a saying that says, love what you do, do what you love. And I think that that is true in everything that I do. If I don't love doing something, I either you know, will have to find a way to really enjoy it, to tweak it to where I find not necessarily fun out of it, but at least where I'm not miserable doing it. And so obviously my career is, is one of the most important things in my life. I've worked really hard to be where I am. And so I, I cherish it. I enjoy it. And I'm lucky. I don't think a lot of people can say they love what they do every single day. And and it's partly because of what you just said. No two days are alike. So it's always a challenge. It's always fun. And of course, it's also easy for me to say because we have an amazing team in the newsroom that that really supports us and helps us, you know, be the best that we can be. And we, we're here to support them. 
I also try to do the same thing in my everyday life from my workouts to my life at home with my husband and our dogs and our cat to my family, to our families here and in Yuma. As long as we are enjoying each other and doing what we love, I think that we do we can live very fulfilling lives. Well, you and I are wired so differently. Like you develop like, you know, five-year plans and you're very <laughs> big on checklists. And yes. I, I know when a news event is going on, I can just picture you at times sitting at the computer, typing up like, okay, team, here's the details. Here's what you yes. need to know. And mm-hmm. like my brain just doesn't work that way. Your you brain- have sticky notes. Oh, yeah. You have sticky notes all over the place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. And, you know, I like to write things down for work so that I can remember them. But like a lot of times, like when breaking news happens, I'm just very relaxed and I'm like, okay, well, we'll we'll figure it out and I'll get the details and we'll go and, and I'll and I'll make it happen. And I'm not like nonchalant about it, but I also don't get like I don't get really loud. I just I stay pretty calm, pretty relaxed, and um it just we're wired very differently with that. And and I think it's interesting and I think it's one of the things that makes our newsroom work so well is, you know, along with our our digital guy, all three of us are very different personality-wise, but yet we all get along. Our our boss enables us to do things the way we need to do. It's not that mm-hmm. we're best friends or anything. We don't hang out on the weekend and, you know, hold, you know, bonfires and, you know, ha- hold hands and sing kumbaya or anything. But, you know, when when it comes to the news, we really you know, do pull together and get through things together. Like if if I asked you, do you have like a certain type of news story that you love to cover? Or is there like one news story that, and you can't say Jody Arias. Like, I know you <laughs> love that trial, but like, is there, is there a type of news or like particular story that you love to get into? Is it, is it the criminal cases and stuff like that? Yeah, I would say criminal cases for certain. And, you know, as I said, I went to graduate school for criminology. I've yeah. always just been so, so intrigued by the system. And I love all the, you know, all the law and orders are my favorite shows. I watch them to this day, every single week recorded. And it's, they're interesting to me. In fact, I'm watching, I'm binge watching this show right now called For Life. It came out a few years ago, I think. Hmm. This man who was sentenced to life in prison and turned out to be innocent and he he became a lawyer while in jail. Anyway, I'm intrigued by the criminology aspect of things. So when trials come up, you know, we just wrapped up the the death of George Floyd trial in Minneapolis and the officer convicted of killing him. Mm-hmm. That was a, a very important case. And so, you know, enjoy is probably the wrong word in this sense, but I understand it. And when you understand a topic and when you you can figure out that you can relay information accurately and confidently it 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 really lifts your your storytelling and it lifts your journalism integrity when you know what you're talking about same thing would be for immigration cases uh, i'm 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 an immigrant i'm a us citizen now but i wasn't to, you know when i first got here so uh, a lot of the immigration talk is also very important to me and i understand it and i've and over the years and even as as my circumstances have changed over the years, I've gotten to know a lot of people that have been either affected, impacted, uh, benefited from, or fought for or against immigration issues in our country, and particularly here in Arizona. So those, I would say, are the two main topics that I understand very much more than others, 
you know, talk to me about the economy. I get it, but I'm not fluent in it. Talk to me about politics. I get it, but we've had enough of it. I think I'm, I'm okay not focusing on it too much. And obviously anything pandemic related, I think we've all become sort of not experts. I don't want to diminish our actual medical experts, but we've come to understand the gravity of the pandemic. And so um, big news, big topics. Those are the ones that I like. I like the whodunits, like not even necessarily the trials, which I think are interesting because they're oftentimes kind of the final chapter in what I call is like a whodunit. But you know, like the the baseline killer, the serial street shooters, when mm-hmm. we had those cases on the I-10 where somebody was you know shooting at cars on the I-10, I'm fascinated by stories like that because the first thing that goes through my brain is always who the heck would do this? Like, why yeah. would they do this? Like, like serial killers, like, A, it's really morbid and kind of, like, seedy to say, like, I love serial killers. And I really don't, but I've certainly read up on some of them. I do like, you know, the true crime genre. I read a lot yeah. of stuff like that. And there was a special on Peacock about John Wayne Gacy that I got about halfway through last weekend that I was watching. Um, so, so those are the ones that, that I really get into just anything that has unfolding drama, that it's not Mm -hmm. just a one day story. If it has layers to it and it's like an onion and you can peel it and we can get our reporters involved in it, you can get opinion from the talk show hosts, you can get, you know, different experts and talking heads weighing in on it. I, there's another acronym that I, I read out of a book a long time ago and they talked about. You know, the the word they used was success. And they talked about how to make a story sticky and memorable. And it Mm -hmm. was simple, unexpected, concrete, credible, emotional stories. And there may have been another S at the end in there. Um, But that was the gist of it. And I always try to think about those things when I think about stories. And, you know, there's some that matter more than others in that acronym. But the gist of it is if you think about it like an onion or something that you can peel and you get different layers, you know, as you know, you might, you know, like to build your lists and really be detail oriented. And I may be more free flowing. We attack it from different ways, but we get to the same point. And that's what makes KTAR so great. Yeah, I think so. And it's the people, too, that get it. A hundred percent. About sharing the stories and that are also passionate about caring for the community. I mean, all of the things that are happening when, with these criminal cases that you mentioned, it has a public safety aspect. And so our jobs, our duty as journalists too, is to tell the public what's going on because if it, it may affect them. So that's, that's also a duty that I take very, very seriously. So now your other duty, you know, at least one that I know you take incredibly seriously, and I can picture you rolling your eyes right now. Oh, Joe, where's he going? <laughs> I mean, you're a mom, Martha. You always say that you have three children. You've got, you know, two who I know are more near and dear to you, Elsa and mm-hmm. Tasha. And then mm-hmm. you've got, you know, Mr. Sammy. Yeah. But, but these are not human children. They, no. are, they are two dogs and a cat. But, yes. but you truly do. I mean, you understand that they're dogs and a cat, but you look at them, you you don't want to have a human kid. You look at your fur babies like they are, you know, your kids and you you care so much about them. And I have Kelly Papowski, my mm-hmm. cat, who is near and dear to me. But 
So is it always dogs? Is that really kind of your first pet love? You like dogs? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're definitely my, uh, they're my babies. And you know, Tasha's nine and Elsa's seven. Mm-hmm. And Sammy, you know. That was more your was, husband's thing. Yeah, my husband, when I met him, he already had Sammy. So, you know, of course, I love Sammy. And he and, she, and he also accepted me by headbutting me the first day I met him. So mm-hmm. that's plus. Um, but yeah, there, there are babies and you're right. You know, there are no plans for human children in our lives. We really enjoy each other and our marriage and our house and our lifestyle and our, our four-legged kids. So that's, that's, you know, if they, if our kids are hurt, we take them to the vet, we Mm -hmm. care for them, we baby them, make sure that they're fed and they're, (laughs) they're good. They sleep with us, you know, the whole, they sleep with you. Yeah, like I was telling somebody the other day, yesterday, that when I went to bed the other night, Elsa had taken up my side of the bed, mm-hmm. and she's 70 pounds. Yeah. So I had to literally push her and turn her because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't lay down. I, I would have lay, laid over her. And so she wouldn't move. She would. I couldn't convince her to get up and go to her crate in her bed. Hmm. So I had to literally twist her and turn her in a different direction. So instead of her being perpendicular to my husband, she'd be parallel so she could sleep between us. Yeah, and I don't mind it. There are babies. That's the nice thing about Kelly Popowski is particularly in the summer, she doesn't want to be anywhere near me. She mm-hmm. thinks it's way too hot and... Sometimes she'll hop up on the bed. Sometimes she'll go on the floor. She'll go wherever the heck she wants. And she's a cat at the end of the day. Yeah, same thing with Sammy. She's like 12 pounds. Like, if I need to move her, it's easy. It's like, hey, you know, you're going this way, whether you like it or not. I can just slide the sheets a little bit. Uh, I always had dogs growing up. I had Old English Sheepdogs and then Bouviers. Uh, They're these big black or brindle, kind of like gray-colored dog. Um we had Sherry, and Sherry, gosh, she had to have been 80 pounds. She was really big. Um, and I'd get a dog now, but the problem is is I just don't feel like by myself. You know, imagine if you didn't have your husband. Like, dogs yeah. do take a lot of work, and that's what I tell people. Is like, I'd feel terrible. Like, eight hours, you can leave a dog, but even that's a long time. And, yes, I know you can put in a dog door, but, like, I would want to take the dog on a walk and even with the dog door, I just, I worry that the dang dog would like destroy my house. <laughs> like you yeah, got, you no, got to Our dogs them. are pretty well behaved. Very well. And yes. And we can leave them, leave them alone and they don't destroy anything. In fact, I don't think they ever destroyed anything, um, but they, they can be left alone. But every single night when we get home from work, we take them out for an hour long walk, whether it's a weekend, whether it's during the week, they tag along with us on our, our road trips. They, you know, they're part of the family, but we do have to make sure that we give them the exercise that they need in order to stay healthy and, and to not get all crazy and run around destroying the house. That That's part of it. It's a big commitment. And, you know, as, as pet owners, you do need to commit to that. It's not okay to just say, oh, well, they run around in the backyard, right. maybe for little dogs, but for bigger dogs like ours that are 70 pounds each, they need the exercise. It's good for their health. 
so you were gracious with your time. Uh, I, I, I don't feel like I annoyed you nearly enough, like I know <laughs> I do some days. Nah. Is there anything in particular that you didn't want to talk about that I should bring up? <laughs> well, that's one way to put it. No, yeah. I think I think that you know it's been it's been fun. I is there anything love- you have freedom right now to ask me anything you want, and I will fully divulge. Is there anything you've ever wanted to know about me? Hmm. What has been your biggest regret? Gosh, my biggest regret. Oh man, huh. it sounds so cheesy to say like don't live you know, live life having regrets, I'm sure there's something. Like, I guess, like, on a small, stupid kind of level, I regret one day when I was playing softball that, like, I was running to first base, and I wish I would have paid attention a little bit more because it's the only time in my life that I, like, broke a bone, basically. I tore two ligaments in my ankle. And I feel like that's somewhat led to the the plantar fasciitis that I have now in my right foot, because mm-hmm. I know that right ankle's just never been right. And when I have podiatrists look at me, they always say that, not that I walk with a limp, but they say that, like, I love how they put it to me. They're like, you walk like a woman. I'm like, oh, thank you. That That's great. So I'm sure something in my gait got messed up when I suffered that injury, and I didn't need to have surgery for it. And they said it healed, wow. but I'm sure it's just not quite right. So I wish I wouldn't have fallen in that hole just past <laughs> first base when uh, when I was playing softball. Aside from what about? I, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say. Aside from that, I would say I don't know. Like I, again, regret isn't quite the word that I would use, but at times I find that I really sink myself into work. And it's good because I honestly consider the people here, like I have a very small, real family. I have my mom, my dad, my grandmother, who I can't stand. And that's about it. Like, that's my family. And I consider the people here at work like a second family to me. And I haven't dated very much. I had one girlfriend for three years. I'm back uh, on dating apps. I just got on Bumble last week. There's something Ooh, you didn't know okay. about me. I did not. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I wouldn't use the word regret, but I hope that I feel like I have a life outside of work, but I know I also bury myself in, in work at times too. And it's finding that balance and, you know, finding that time to meet somebody because I want to get married. I'd love to have one or two kids someday. I don't want a little Mm -hmm. football team of children, but Mm -hmm. I want to have like one or two kids someday. And the older I get, the tougher that gets too. So trying to find that balance, I know at times that I probably skew too much towards the work side and not enough towards the, you know, looking for, it sounds weird for me to say, look for my wife, but it's like, looking for a serious relationship that ultimately could lead to marriage. Right. Yeah. No, and that's fair and that's noble. And I wish you the best. I hope I'm going to be keeping my eyes peeled for that perfect girl for you. And (laughs) we'll make sure that we get you all hooked up. I know you will. Um, I need to get going. So like I said, I'm on Bumble. I need to get on (laughs) Hinge because... I know, I know a lot of people in like anywhere from like their 40s down to like 20s have said Hinge is better than Bumble. 
but I started with Bumble. I haven't loved it, to be honest. Like, I find when I I write about myself, like, and I look at these other people's profiles, I'm like, wow, that's so polished. I don't like writing about myself. Like, mm-hmm. I'd much, and I put this in my profile, like something to the effect of like, hey, if you have questions about me, if you want to know about me, actually talk to me because I'm not going to be the one to sit there and toot my own horn and say like, oh my goodness, I'm just so amazing. You're not going to find any guy better than me. That's not who I am. Like, I'm not no, going to- you're s- honest. And I'm, that's, I think that's one of the best attributes you have that you just- I'm not going to sit there and say I'm honest. a loser, but yeah, I'm going to- No, I, you're I'm, not. I'm shy and I'm also introverted and I like to credit others. And I think that's what makes, you know, you and I a good leader too. We're not going to take all the credit for something. You have a podcast. I wouldn't call you introverted. Oh, trust me. I'm an only child and I love my alone time when I get out of here. I love to okay. sit there. We talked about reading books. I lo- Last year I read, it's not a lot, but I read two books a month. I got through 24 books. That's a lot. And I love to sit there and just relax. And yes, I have a roommate, but I love when he's not around and I can just have peace and quiet to myself and read. Or I don't watch much TV these days, but even just like just just sitting there and just enjoying some silence is so nice. Very cool. I feel like I learned a lot about you today. Uh, you caught me mid-water sip. No, I, <laughs> I I think I learned a lot about you. You uh, you get to go, uh, you know, hopefully turn your brain off a little bit now. I know, you know, it's, uh, gosh, every week is just insane for us. And, uh, you know, before you know it, we're going to look around the corner and we're going to have another election. Yeah, I know. It's going to get crazy. So, but we're ready. That's what we do. That's why we're here. All right. Martha Maurer, ladies and gentlemen. Martha, thank you for another successful podcast. Thank you. Bye. Bye.